Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. It's a new year, and when it comes to travel, your plans once again come with challenges. But at least this year, also opportunities. I was back in Washington, D.C. to cover the inauguration. And while I was there, I reached out to some of the best travel writers and editors for their thoughts on our brave new world. Julia Cosgrove, the editor-in-chief of Afar Magazine, on how our travel priorities have truly changed. Then a look at the state of the travel environment, literally, with Costas Chris, editor-at-large for National Geographic Traveler. And then, my conversation with Jackie Gifford, editor-in-chief of Travel and Leisure. First up, Julia Cosgrove. Joining me now, an old friend of mine, we were just reminiscing off here how long we've known each other, but we're not going to reveal that right this minute. Uh, She happens to be the editor-in-chief of one of the great travel magazines in America. It's called Afar, and if you haven't read it, you should. Uh, It's one of the more thoughtful publications out there. And her name, Julia Cosgrove. Hey, Julia. Hey, Peter. Great to be here today with you. Yeah. I mean, here's the deal. I mean, everybody sort of, well, we're we're talking to each other. So we did survive 2020. Um, (laughs) I did not travel 400,000 miles last year. Um, (laughs) No, but I'm hoping to do it this year. I'll have to pack it in probably to the last seven months of the year, but I'll do it. But most importantly, it's not really a question this year, I think, of of necessarily when we're going to travel or where we're going to travel or if we're going to travel. It's really how we're going to travel. And yeah. given given all the challenges, so give me a little crystal ball here, Julia, as to you know what do you think is going to change this year that's going to benefit us, and then how we're going to be able to adapt to be able to get back to doing what we love to do, which is travel. Yeah, and you know I'm just so grateful that we are we are still here, Peter, and I'm I'm very optimistic about what the future holds. You know I think 2020 was such a such a huge challenge for everyone in the world, and particularly the travel and and tourism sector was hit so hard. And last year, frankly, was all about survival. And I I really, I have, I'm bullish on this. I think 2021 is our year of stabilization and recovery. Um, I'm optimistic that a new administration will will guide our federal response to the pandemic and this crisis and, and really help get 
the U.S. into a better place by summer. And we know from research we've conducted, you know, with our readers from from last March that there is such incredible pent-up demand. People want to get out there again. People want to connect with each other. They're Everybody's been lonely in different ways during this pandemic, and what better way to sort of celebrate the interconnectedness of our world than than through travel? So we're itching to go. You know, I go back to just two months ago over Thanksgiving, and then last month during Christmas, you know, so many Americans just ignored the CDC recommendation not to travel, and they hit the road, they hit the airlines, they ran all over the place. But what I noticed, and maybe you noticed it as well, they weren't going to see Granny. Uh, they yeah. were uh, they were honoring uh, people who may be you know uh, medically vulnerable. They just wanted to go anywhere. They just wanted to get out of town, and they and they yeah. just took off. I mean, I as we were putting together our most recent issue, which is our annual where to where to go issue. I you know the tagline that I joked with my team about was anywhere and everywhere, because we have all been cooped up, and you know even if you, you were able to sort of take short jaunts and trips here and there over the past year. I don't think people people have not been able to let their guard down and, and really enjoy travel and that sense of freedom that travel gives us for so long. But I do hope that, you know, as, as we do kind of come out of this great pause and this great reset, that we're able to kind of think, think more clearly um, about how we kind of reevaluate travel. I think we've all been so humbled by this year in one way or another. And I'm hoping that, you know, we, we come out with the sense of sort of travel as a force for good. That's certainly what we've been tasked with at afar and what we've been really doubling down on in this time. You know, how I've been thinking a lot about this word care and the role of traveler as steward or protector or guardian of our planet, and how do we better care for, for our environment? You know, the climate crisis is upon us, and how do we better care for each other? We've, we've missed all of this time with people we love. And then, of course, how do we better care for ourselves? And so I hope that as travel comes roaring back, which I know it will, that it does so in a more sustainable and purpose-driven manner. That's my hope for 2020. We're talking with Julia Cosgrove, the editor-in-chief of Afar Magazine. You know, beware the law of unintended consequences. Last year at this time, meaning uh, early in the year, we were planning destinations. We were planning our vacation getaways. Now we're doing more thinking. And the thinking that we're doing, and this is along the lines of what you were just saying, is in terms of work-life balance, the environment, uh, long-term lifestyle choices as opposed to seven-day uh, extended weekend choices, I would think. Exactly. Yeah, and in, in our January-February issue, um, one, of, one of our favorite writers, Eric Weiner, wrote a story for us called The Traveler's Manifesto. And, and it, it really is sort of the unveiling of our new credo, um, which I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It's, it's travel selectively. You know, it's travel purposefully, it's travel slowly, travel empathetically, and travel joyfully. And I, I, I want to pause for a minute on, on the joy piece, because we know how much happiness um, people derive from travel, you know, starting from when they start dreaming about where they want to go into the planning process and booking it, and then actually getting out there, 
having the trip and coming back to reminisce about it. I mean, it is a whole life cycle of, of joy that comes with sort of the traveler's mindset, where you are always thinking about where you want to go next. But I think what, certainly what I have taken from this year is that it is about where I want to go next, but it's also about how I want to go next and how can I really make the most of my time in a place. Um, so that's what we're thinking about at Afar. You know, you certainly picked the, the best writer for that job because Eric's been a, a guest on this show many times, and he he wrote the book on happiness. He did, yes, and he has a new literally, book out literally. now. Literally, <laughs> I know. His new book, I believe, is The Socrates Express, and it's uh, it's on my list. I think we could all uh, benefit from, from revisiting some of the philosophers this year. I highly recommend people read his book because uh, read read his book before you plan your next trip because it may in fact define your next trip at a time when you need it the most. Uh, Julia Cosgrove, the editor in chief of Afar Magazine, one of my favorite reads, literally a thoughtful magazine at a time as opposed to a promotional magazine which we don't have time for. So Julia, once again, lovely to talk to you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Peter. My thanks to Julia. Now, you've got to beware of the law of unintended consequences. The pandemic has given many of us the unexpected chance, while we weren't traveling, to at least think about traveling. Not in the traditional bucket list sense, but in terms of the quality of the travel experience that we seek going forward. Costas Christ, editor-at-large for National Geographic Traveler, doesn't think this is a trend. He says this new travel thinking is already exploding. My next guest is truly global. He's the editor-at-large for National Geographic Traveler, the founder of Beyond Green Travel, and a good friend of the show, Costas Christ. Hey, Costas. Hi there, Peter. Well, as we start this brave new world of 2021 uh, with a new administration, uh, hopefully more vaccine implementation around the world in terms of global distribution, coinciding, of course, with huge pent-up demand in travel, I guess the question becomes, the choices that we make as we begin to plan our travels for, for the next year and how they may have differed from the, the maybe the criteria we used in, in previous years. One of, my, uh, est- I mean, so one of my analysis is that we've seen a radical change in, in traveler behavior going from you know picking a bucket list destination that might serve their short-term needs on a, on a seven-day trip to a much more long-term lifestyle choice of work-life balance and environmental concerns uh, based on just they've had time to think for the last nine months as to what really is important in their lives. You're absolutely right, Peter. And I think that one one of the things, you know, a common question we get is, you know, and I'm sure you get it, you know, how do you think tra- uh, travel will change? What do you think this past year's done? Another thing that comes up, Will people look at the ideas of sustainable travel differently? Will it matter anymore? And I think what we have in front of us is that people, as you just said, have had time to look at life and think about the values that have deeper meaning for each of us. And that really is coming into focus as more time with friends and family, putting a priority to enjoy life, you know, especially time outdoors and in nature. And I think there's going to be really a bigger focus on that proverbial saying to take time to stop and smell the roses. And I believe that is going to not only change to a certain degree how we travel, there's going to be this increasing understanding 
that we cannot have personal health and well-being without planetary health and well-being. And I believe this is going to become increasingly important in how people make their travel decisions. All right, now that sounds great, but then, of course, there's a resource challenge. Where do people go to get that kind of information that's going to be state-of-the-art, up to, up, you know, up to speed, and still allow them to fulfill their travel fantasies, if you will? Well, I think there's a lot of exciting news on several fronts, Peter. Uh, one of them is, for example, I think we're going to see a, a focus on, at least initially, and for those of us in North America, on destinations that are closer and are doing the right thing. So, for example, last month, Colombia became one of a handful of countries in the world that passed law embracing sustainable tourism as the guiding policy for how tourism will uh, take place in that country. So that's a pretty big deal. It may sound like, oh, big deal, a government, but there are very few governments that put into law that we want the travel industry to address fundamental issues such as community well-being, protection of nature, cultural heritage preservation, and environmentally friendly practices. So that's good news for those of us who want to go to a bucket list destination, and it's just a couple of hours away from the U.S., two or three hours from the U.S. Another important thing, Peter, is we're seeing an increasing sophistication in the kind of offerings out there when it comes to where travelers can stay. And that gets to something else that I'm excited to share with you, and that is the launch of Beyond Green, which is a portfolio of literally crafted, best-in-class, global leaders in sustainable best practices. That's not just talk. This portfolio and collection of 25 properties around the world in the most iconic bucket list destinations from African wildlife safaris to the islands and mountains of Greece and so on are going to change how we choose because for the first time in a really true and documented sense, travelers can go to Beyond Green, which is the website is staybeyondgreen.com and see what places are defining what we believe is the future of travel to match what we also believe is going to be how people reevaluate taking trips. Well, let's let's go back before we get to that and talk about, you know, the one tank trips as people begin to emerge from cities here in the United States and keep it in the domestic market. You know, we know that international travel is going to be lagging behind. Business travel is, is essentially dormant for the next year. Uh, business and meetings still in the same situation. But in d- terms of domestic travel, you know, people have really had a chance, even though they weren't planning on it, to rediscover their own country, uh, to rediscover their backyard, their their city, their region, uh, a 300-mile one-tank trip, if you will, that they can take you know, there and back on one tank of gas. I mean, the same principles apply, though. The same principles do apply. So when I think of that... I think of, for example, the state of Maine. I mean, there are, we all know that the United States and North America has spectacular destinations, and they're worth exploring. For example, the state of Maine, you know, wild, beautiful, outdoors, uh, a, a focus on these ideas around sustainability, and properties that, again, embrace this, such as 
in by the sea, which is just outside of Portland on a beautiful coastal area that is also a sustainability leader. What about places that we might even raise our eyebrows and, and think, who knew? Let's take Alabama and the Mobile Tenshaw Delta. How many of us in North America know that this region was declared by the most preeminent biologist in the world, E.O. Wilson, to be America's Amazon? Sure, we'd all like to go to Brazil, but if you want to catch a glimpse of an incredible array of life in nature, plants and wildlife, the Mobile Tenshaw Delta, which is on the border of Alabama, and uh, Mississippi is unprecedented. And again, we have places, for example, you know, you know many of them yourselves, but I think of Big Sur, California, that just completed, and I had the privilege of, of participating in leading this effort, a destination sustainable tur uh, tourism plan for all of Big Sur. You have properties that you know, for example, Post Ranch Inn, which is a celebrated leader in sustainability there. So the truth is, we have a world of wonder in our backyard to explore, and even nearby us, places like Belize or the Caribbean. These are You can fly to Belize from New York in less time than you can fly to Los Angeles or California. And I think we'll see people taking closer trips to nearby destinations. All right, so once we do that, then the question becomes, you know, what do they do when they get there? So, for example, we're seeing hotels that are pivoting now. Uh, because of COVID nineteen, because they've got a lot of extra space they can use, but they can re they can re you know repurpose it if you will. Uh, you know, it's not enough to ask if the hotel kitchen, uh, the hotel restaurant is open. You got to figure out if the hotel kitchen is open, so you can do a different approach to food, social distancing in the pool, the gym. Um, you know, basically, how's that going to happen? Are they going to reserve it by the hour for the guests, or are you going to all be crowded in there? Uh, all these things that never really were addressed before. And then, of course, the occupancy levels alone for the hotel, you know, once they get beyond 40 to 50 percent, you're sort of defeating the purpose, at least in the age of COVID-19. Costas, let me talk about some traveler behavior here. We just talked about that before the break. You know, we've gone from working at an office to working from home to now working from anywhere. And so we're seeing some real shifts here where, where at least in an individual extended family or two families together move out of a city, not for like a four-day vacation or a seven-day vacation, but they're moving for a month or two or three to a different location where the parents can work remotely, the kids can learn remotely. The cost is actually less because they're no, they're no longer stuck in a long commute with gas prices. Uh, they're not eating out every night at, at a restaurant. They're cooking at home. They're getting all their social distancing based on where this other location is. Um, and for about $25 a night, uh, they're, they're, they're living in a better way. I mean, are you seeing that happening now where, where cities are basically getting, you know, <laughs> people are leaving? Not just cities, Peter, but it's how people are thinking about uh, travel. And another aspect of is exactly what you're talking about. People are taking longer trips. You know, that we're going for one week to Tahiti isn't happening anymore. I was talking to a couple just a few days ago who went for a month. And they said, we're going for They They went, they stayed at the Brando, they explored French Polynesia. This was a couple who traditionally took one vacation a year that might have been seven to ten days. They've re, re 
thought that process. If we're going to travel, we're going to go longer. And we're seeing this happen in many different places for the reasons you said. And hotels are beginning to adapt to that, creating a new structure and a new environment that can cater to long-term guests who may be working remotely while at the same time enjoying that vacation. And this is something else that we're seeing. Okay, then it comes into an area of cost. How are the hotels able to pivot by offering that without bankrupting the budgets of the travelers? Well, it depends. And the good thing there, Peter, is just like restaurants, just like anything, we have different price structures. So sure, some hotels, you and your listeners know, some hotels are very expensive. You're in Washington, D.C. There's the wonderful Jefferson Hotel there. It's pretty pricey. DuPont Circle Hotel, a wonderful hotel. It's actually one of my favorite, you know, less pricey. So the fact of the matter is people will choose their destinations based on their budget and also based on the, you know, um, what a hotel is able to offer them. So I think, Peter, there's going to be these arrangements for every level of budget. Well, I hope so, because the the demand is, is not lessening, it's growing. And my prediction is, I mean, here we are in, you know, in January, by the time March 31st rolls around, uh, forget in like a lion out like a lamb, uh, it's going to explode where every destination in the world is finally going to come to grips with, hey, maybe this year is going to be better than last year and we should put some money up. And every destination is going to be, and every hotel and every attraction is going to be a, a, you know racing after the exact same market at the exact same time. So what's going to be the differentiation mark here? As far as I'm concerned, Peter, that's already starting to happen right now. So, you know, in the Beyond Green portfolio of hotels and speaking with them, they're already taking those bookings right as we speak. I was surprised that Isla Secas, which is a Beyond Green member in Panama, they have they were fully booked. Okay, granted, they have 12 rooms, you know, so not so hard to be fully booked. But the fact of the matter is those are spread out. They provide just what we were talking about for people to, pay, uh, to stay on a long-term basis. I was also speaking with and beyond and Wilderness Safaris, two companies you know well. Uh, right now, as we speak, they're not waiting for March. It's happening right now. They're getting those bookings right now for the second half of this year. And they are getting bookings based on people who are seeking a different experience, much as we've been talking about on this call. And what that really means, I'm assuming, Costas, is that other destinations that have never really been on the A-list, but just happen to benefit from the fact that they're so far away and so remote, suddenly become attractive because they are far away and remote. That's right. Take Mongolia and Three Camel Lodge, you know, in the middle of a country whose slogan is Big Sky Country. I mean, literally, uh, I was talking with the owner of that property, and he was saying how he chuckles because he said, you know, people are into all this, you know, grass-fed beef, organic beef. He said, well, that's our whole country when it comes to, you know, this vast area of Mongolia and open plains that sweep as far as the eye can see. People want that sense of nature and openness, and that's where they're gravitating. And until the widespread vaccine really hits in, people are going to be making those choices if, in fact, they can afford them. Uh, The real bottom line here is the options are going to uh, explode almost exponentially. Uh, The forward-looking bookings for the latter part of this year are already high. 
and something that people need to be aware of because uh, people who didn't want to be shut out this year who were shut out last year are not waiting. They're making those reservations now. uh, And with airlines getting rid of those draconian change fees, they can actually roll the dice and really not be worried about it. My thanks to Costas. So where do you want to go this year? I know you had a list, but I'll make you a bet you've already either revised it or thrown it out altogether. Editor-in-chief of Travel and Leisure Jackie Gifford on where she thinks you might be going in 2021. My next guest is the editor-in-chief of the magazine that's celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. The name of the magazine, Travel and Leisure, and my guest, the editor-in-chief, Jacqueline Gifford. Hey, Jackie. Hi, Peter. It's great to talk to you today. Indeed. And... You know, it's interesting because I think it's, uh, I don't know if you even planned it this way because magazines have long lead times, but your cover story is where to go in America, right? I mean, it's, it's like... It is. I know. We actually, so we did actually, you know, we changed our calendar for 2021. You know, magazines really plan things well in advance, but as we've seen with COVID, you know, the best laid plans go awry, and particularly in the world of travel. So, when we looked to 2021, I'd say last summer, I completely rethought what we wanted to cover, how we wanted to cover it, as we sort of started to get more clarity on on the world. And I felt that, you know, the reality is a lot of Americans are sticking close to home because they can't they can't travel internationally like they used to. And so we started to plan this America issue for the beginning of 2021 to kick off this this new year and really celebrate what um, what we love about our country, which is its diversity, the the depth and breadth of experiences you can have here is actually pretty special. The thing that I'm noticing, and tell me if, you, if you've noticed it as well, is we're not traveling these days just to experience a new destination or to check off a, a bucket list. We're traveling to test drive a destination to see if we want to live there. Yeah, that's, and that is that sounds crazy, but I think that's true. A lot of people have, you know, because of remote work, if they're lucky enough to be able to do that, they've really rethought where they want to live and the idea of renting a house somewhere and staying someplace for two months, three months is actually growing in popularity. I don't see that changing. The other thing that I'm seeing too, from talking to a lot of hoteliers or again, you know, vacation home rentals, people are extending their stays. So they decide to go for maybe two weeks and then they figure, well, we're having such a great time here. Why not extend if their kids are doing remote school, all that. So everything is changing. I, you know, I, I'm still optimistic about travel. It's been a tough year for our business. You know that just as well as I do, but I think some of the long-term effects of this might might actually be more positive. You know, people were rushing around like mad before, trying to tick off, like you said, every single thing on their bucket list. But instead of that mindset, they might, instead of taking 10 trips a year, maybe they'll take three and those trips will be longer and more meaningful. And they'll actually give back to the local community in a way that has more of an impact rather than, you know, fly you know, 10 times and, and just sort of rush around taking off things because you want to take a photo on Instagram. So I am optimistic about our business. And I think some of these trends might actually be beneficial for, for our business in the long run. I, I tend to agree with you. One of the, the unintended consequences of all this in, in terms of lifestyle and, as you say, extended stay uh, goes back to something that happened about two or three years ago, way before the pandemic. Uh, Marriott amassed a portfolio of about 16,000 really great vacation homes, uh, 10,000 of which are in the U.S. and 6,000 overseas. Uh, they call it Homes and Villas by Marriott. 
Uh, and these are homes on lakes and rivers and on the ocean and the deserts and the mountains. And, and they start at about $200 a night, but they can sleep up to 10 people. And what they've seen in the last couple of months is either large extended families or two separate families getting together and moving into these homes, leaving the cities. Uh, the parents are working remotely. The kids are learning remotely. Uh, they're saving all this money not commuting in their cars. Uh, and spending time in their cars. They're not going out to dinner every night at restaurants. They're cooking at home. They're getting all the social distancing they want. And uh, and then, of course, if you're an addicted frequent flyer like I am, and they have, like, Marriott points, they're earning points. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. crazy right? um, and, and if you do the math, uh, for a house that's, that rents for, like, 200 bucks a night, and you're two families of four each or one large family of eight, that's 25 bucks a night. I mean, you can't wake up in Cleveland right. for that. So, no. I mean, and nobody <laughs> yeah. ever thought that that was going to happen, but it is. Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting point. I mean, look, people are people are having to adapt to these times as best as they can, and for a lot of people, space is the most important thing right now. I do want to say, you know, I think that right now, you know, cities seem to be bearing the brunt of sort of the, the downturn in terms of the travel space. But we all know that that won't last forever, right? As soon as the vaccine right. rollout is more effective and, you know, theater opens again here in New York City exactly. and, and, and music and, you know, those things will come back and with them more people because, you know, people are desperate to dance and they're desperate to hear music <laughs> and they're desperate to go to museums. We've been speaking to Jacqueline Gifford, the editor-in-chief of Travel and Leisure Magazine, celebrating, I hate to say it, I mean, it's amazing, I love it, 50 years. The reason why I hate to say it is because I wish I could say it more often in the magazine business, so congratulations. I, I know, I know. Thank you, Peter. It's a big anniversary for TNL. You know, we started, um, we Travel and Leisure started in 1971. It's hard to, um, it's hard to imagine it but we're the only monthly travel magazine in the united states and you know the media landscape has changed um dramatically over the years but our readers are loyal they come back to us month after month for the beautiful photography the great writing and just to dream about places to go and actually i think what's really fascinating is this year we've actually grown our audience because people are are at home and they they are able to read the magazine and dream about days when they can get out on the road again so we're providing a service even during this really unprecedented year and time. Well, you know what the difference is? And I'm not saying this about, about travel and leisure. I'm saying this about almost all magazines. They are, believe it or not, they're getting the magazine, but now they're actually reading the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, people have more time at home, right? They're they're spending, you know, instead of going out to, to dinner or to shows and doing all the things that we were doing or commuting, you know, they are they are at home more. I'm one of those people myself. I've found that my reading habits have actually changed and I'm I'm turning to different mediums just because I do have a little bit more time when I'm not, of course, doing remote school with my son or doing a, no, any other any other things. But I think the the reality is People need a break um, from from the news, and so picking up our magazine is an escape, and they get to look at beautiful pictures and read about places. And, you know, what we're able to do now is get reporters and photographers safely out in the field. We've been doing that, I'd say, since the end of June of 2020. You know, we're not flying people around nearly as much as we used to, but we've been able to tap into our global contributor network like we always did and actually work with new people that um, that we never worked with before and just reach out and say, hey, you're in X city. Well, can you do this story for us? You know, and actually, I think it's 
made us more creative as editors and journalists. And I think we're sure. actually producing great content, some of the best content we've ever done. Nothing beats local knowledge, right? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Especially, especially if you're stuck there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, let's go back to your list of the 50 best places to live. Because as we talked about in the last segment, people are making their travel choices based on test driving a destination as to, hey, you know what? I have the freedom to do this now. Why don't I just move there? So what's coming up high on your list? Yeah, well, we actually, so every year we do a, a story about where to go in the following year, the year ahead. It's usually published around the end of December. And so for 2021, we actually did an all-domestic list of 50 places. And to accompany that, we have our all-domestic issue for January 2021 about finding beauty in your own backyard. And so it's, I guess you could say it's about where to live. It's also really about, I guess to your point, it's about extended stays. So we have everything from, you know, the Berkshires in Massachusetts to Birmingham, Alabama. You know, we're seeing a rise and um, people are moving to what I, you know, what they're called second tier cities, right? You know, out of the bigger metropolises like New York, Chicago, um, people are moving to smaller cities because the cost of living is more affordable there. Um, and, you know, there's there's plenty of cultural attractions, great food, um, places like Buffalo, New York. You know, there's an amazing new um, gallery that opened called K-Art, which focuses on um, uh, art by um, Native Americans. Um, and, you know, there's there's so much happening in this beautiful country that, you know, we haven't always perhaps tapped into as much because our job as journalists was, you know, really covering the world and we are still covering the world. But I also want to be realistic about the fact that as a travel magazine, most Americans are really, if they are traveling, they're traveling in the United States. So we're trying to give yeah. people actionable tips for right now, you know, Burlington, Vermont, amazing, amazing town, Cape May, New Jersey, so many beautiful places um, here in the United States that I'm, I'm really hopeful that as, as Americans will start to travel again and, and actually get to know one another. That's what I'm most hopeful about and, and see some parts of the country that maybe we would have overlooked before. And you mentioned one city that I have to give a shout out to simply because the game is this weekend. Go Bills. I mean, my goodness, yeah, the, the Buffalo I Bills. I mean, <laughs> I really want them to go all the way. They Buffalo deserves a break. They, they do. Really do. I know. And actually, I'm rooting for them, too. So, it's you know, it's it's I'm optimistic about I'm optimistic about 2021, you know, for the for the vaccine to to be rolled out. And also, I think, you know, give people a greater um, comfort level when they set out on the road again. Uh, one other trend I'm sure, you know, we've talked about before road trips. That's not going to go away. People are really comfortable getting in their car and sort of controlling the environment that they're in, driving to a, a local destination. My thanks to Jackie to Costas Christ and to Julia Cosgrove. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel Podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review Ion Travel wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for breaking travel news, and we all know there's a lot of it these days, just log on to petergreenberg.com. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. 
Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews, and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.